Welcome to the Startup Help Desk, your source for answers to questions about building businesses, starting businesses, and the meaning of life. We have a panel here of experienced founders, investors, and entrepreneurs who have learned all the hard lessons, and our job is to share those with you and save you the trouble. So we're going to answer a bunch of questions today about time management. Where should you spend your time? How should you spend your time while you're building your business? We have done this for years. We'll share what we think and decide for yourself if it's useful for you. We have our illustrious panel of founders, Nick and Ash. Hi, everyone. My name's Ash Rust, and I'm a pre-seed investor based in San Francisco. I mostly invest in B2B companies based in the US, UK, and Canada through a fund I started called Sterling Road. Before investing, I was an entrepreneur myself. Uh, but these days, I spend most of my time coaching founders, and I've helped more than 1,500 startups over the years. Hey, this is Nick Melionis. I am co-founder and CEO of a startup called Navi. We help people learn innovation skills, solve mission-critical problems, and bring new ideas to life. As always, I'm excited to get into today's questions. And I'm Sean Burns. I've been a founder for about 20 years of companies like Flurry and Outlier.ai. I've been an investor for the past decade. And now I'm a podcast host. And of those jobs, I'm not sure which I'm the best at, but it's clearly podcast host. So just give me credit. You're the best podcast host, Sean. (laughs) Uh, You can really feel the authenticity on this show. So all of our questions are about time management. And they were all submitted by people just like you founders who have questions. So if you have a question for a future episode, hit us up. It's thestartuphelpdesk.com is our website. Or we're over on x slash Twitter as thestartuphd. Send us some questions. We will do our best to answer them just like today. So let's jump into it. All questions about time management. The first one, Ash and Nick, is my team is up to 15 people and I'm not sure where I should be spending my time as a CEO. What is the best use of my time when I'm not needed as an individual contributor anymore? It's a good question. When I get all the time, Ash, what do you think? Well, there are some outlines and templates uh, for this. So I think uh, Ben Horowitz has the structure of 30% product, 30% money, and 30% HR. Within money, you could have fundraising and revenue interchangeably. And HR can include dealing with people uh, who are already team members, as well as hiring new people. And what is the last 10%? Is that golf? or? Uh, I think it's it's dreams, uh, yachting, you know, most <laughs> founders. No uh, episodes complete without some yachting, that's for sure. Yeah, right, exactly. Certainly um, some summering in Martha's Vineyard, um, a couple of Sequoia barbecues, those kinds of things. They just, that's where the extra 10% goes. <laughs> so um, that said, I actually think that you kind of throw all of that framework out the window if you're trying to grow the team. If you're in hiring mode and you're trying to increase your team size by uh, five or six percent a month, uh, you're trying to double uh, over the next year or so, uh, then you are probably going to have to spend 80, 90 percent of your time on hiring. And that's critically important. Hiring properly solves pretty much all your other problems because you know you've got great people on those hard problems. So I'm a big believer in throwing out the classic framework of splitting your time evenly across core problems if you've got a main focus that the company really needs for you right now, and hiring is often that. Now, the things that founders tend not to spend enough time on as a general rule outside of hiring, HR, so one-on-ones with other team members, people don't like doing that, setting goals and checking in on those goals. Lots of people like talking about annual goals that are nine months out, six months out, but talking about the goals that are going on for Friday or for this month and then checking on those, holding people accountable. 
People don't like doing that. And then customer success, right? Actually, after the sale, making a customer really, really happy doing the boring work around bugs and integrations, et cetera. People don't spend enough time on that in general. Ash, where would you put the, or how would you bucket, let's just call it future looking efforts? There's this need to be tapped into the market and ultimately continuously updating your prediction about where the company needs to go over these next two to three years. Do you think that is essentially allocated across product, money, and HR, or is it more predominantly measured within one of those buckets? I think you future-proof your company by having a great product. If you're listening to your customers and you're satisfying them, then it's very hard for somebody to build something that is going to completely blow you out of the water and you're not going to be able to compete with them. So I would say that your vision piece uh, comes into that product area and then success on the product side will then fuel the fundraising piece of future creation. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. And I'll say that I want to double down on the hiring side of this. The thing that you hear time and time again is that time spent finding incredible talent is the thing that pays those long-term dividends. And then you'll hear companies that end up facing challenges over time, and they've realized that they haven't done a good job when it comes to building a team that can scale or building a team that can be able to endure over the course of time. So big thumbs up when it comes to hiring. Last thing to note on here is I do believe there's a difference from delegating and then effectively delegating. As your team grows, there is this need to delegate, which means give people responsibilities. And then as Ash mentioned, the one-on-ones, the goal setting, those are things that can make sure you can effectively delegate so you can help this incredible talent be able to take flight as the company grows. Ash and Nick, is there an inverse version of this question, which instead of saying where you spend your time, how do you know if you're spending your time in the right ways? Like, Are there things that you can look at to know that regardless of how I'm spending my time, it is in fact the right way that I'm spending my time right now? No. In fact, I think the paradigms that you might find by trying to discover that, you know, that heuristic that will always give you the quick check is actually going to push you in the wrong direction. As a CEO, you are most effective when you are working on the biggest problem the company has right now. That's likely to be a subjective decision. And then you're obviously going to let other things slip if you're fully focused on a particular problem. So again, the most effective CEOs really preach this, but there are also people that will ignore your email for 10 days as well. Oh, this explains why you ignore my emails for 10 days. That's very it's not good. the only reason. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great, great demonstration leading into this episode. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, speaking of time management, we have to get through a bunch of questions and we've answered only one so far. Ash, what else is on our question queue for today? All right. Next question. How often should we be having team meetings? How often should we be having team meetings? It feels like we spend too much time talking to each other and not enough time doing the work. Such a great question. I have to point out how ironic this question was asked of a podcast where all we do is sit around and talk to each other. I just have to point out the irony in that. People listen to it when they're driving. It's an efficient use of time, (laughs) Sean. (laughs) And we're still going to be assigning some tasks and responsibilities to everybody during this episode. So, Well, Sean uh, needs something to do. He can't just keep building sandcastles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's golden. All right. So here's how I think about it. For our team, we have one to two meetings per week that are focused on, let's call it the tasks. 
Specifically, we want to make sure that during those meetings, we are confirming alignment on priorities and then assigning responsibilities so that people can then go into execution. Any other meeting over the course of that week, if it's a team meeting, should be focused on enabling the team to be able to execute on those tasks. And the one thing I'll call out about this is we've instituted what we call a lightning meeting, which is if somebody's responsible for something and they need 10 minutes of brainstorming, they set the meeting, 10 minutes max of brainstorming, and then you kick them back out so they can go back and execute. So finding ways to spark that initial momentum is key. I agree. Actually, I think that the biggest problem, some sort of space, is that if you or your early team came from big companies, you can fall in the track of doing what's familiar to you, which is what big companies do, having lots of meetings and talking about lots of stuff too much. And it's because big companies need to get buy-in. Like There's a lot of different things they have to achieve. But if you start falling into that trap early, you do waste your time. You spend all your time talking about the work instead of doing it. So if you or your early team are used to being at big companies... Be really careful about this. Have as few meetings as possible. Like Nick, I actually used to make sure that no meetings were longer than 20 minutes, including all hands. Mm, nice. Because in my experience, you can fit everything you need to talk about in 20 minutes. And if you can't, maybe there was an issue that you should have taken care of a few exits back. Um, or you can always add more time. But getting people to think. So they never, they never overran your meetings? Come now. Yeah, that's no, something I, else. I, oh, yeah. We used to shut them down. I also was a pathological at always starting on time. So if you weren't there on time, we just started without you. I, I get very pathological about time management because I think one of the greatest ways to waste productivity is to waste people's time. So. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, board meetings will go longer. There are times when you need something longer than 20 minutes. But if you think about 20 minutes as like the standard de facto time, it forces people to think quickly, prioritize. You don't start talking about stuff to fill the time and you move quickly. And often the other question is, can you start killing meetings? Like, you know, just because you have a meeting doesn't mean you have to keep having the meeting. Can you sit around and actually decide, do we need this anymore? Right. Or can we go around starting to kill them? I often wanted to, I never did this, but build a bot that would randomly delete meetings off people's calendars mm. because if they really needed it, they would re-add it. I never got so far as doing it, but I was so tempted to try it. Yeah, that would have been a really fun thing to do for about five minutes and then your team would have been very angry with you. <laughs> <laughs> All my sales calls are canceled. Who canceled my sales calls? And this is Sean whistling as I, I, I exit that. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, it, Ash, you do a lot of investing. It, like, is there a way as an investor to look at these teams before you invest to decide if they are actually productive or if they're going through the theater of production or productivity? Yes, if they're willing to do the grind work. Oftentimes, people who are have maybe fancy resumes but don't want to do the hard work of a startup won't do things like customer discovery outreach. Uh, they won't do things like build MVPs for a small number of customers uh, that you know are uh, in need of the product versus have fancy brands, those kinds of things. So there's a lot of indicators around that that you can take early on, uh, often related to whether or not someone uh, wants to engage in uh, something that isn't a test of their intelligence. That is, uh, here's a really good parable for you. To, just earlier today, I got pinged from a company that's looking to fundraise. And the person who pinged me about, fund about investing wasn't the CEO, it was an intern. And I was like, why in the world is an intern? And I asked him, I'm like, why is the CEO not reaching out? And the response of the intern was the CEO is too busy on the operations of the company. And I don't even know anything else about them, but I will tell you they have a very serious time management problem. 
on their mm-hmm. hands and probably a very big leadership issue on their hands. If they're taking what is the most important thing, which is if you need to raise money, raising money is the most important thing and giving it to an intern because the CEO claims they don't have time for it. I mean, that's just, that's a parable. Don't, don't want to do company. it. That's what it is. Exactly. Exactly. They don't want to do it and they're finding excuses. That's right. I guarantee that company also won't raise money. That's my prediction. Not a chance. Oh my God. They're just burning (laughs) every lead that that poor intern emails. I know. I feel bad also about the intern learning the wrong lessons. So if you're out there looking to intern for a startup company, um, be very particular about where you go to learn because apparently there's lots of companies out there where you do not want to learn what they're teaching you. Yes, don't work for idiots. General. <laughs> that, that job was okay, might have uh, said real do? fundraising experience and uh, not quite. But seriously, you would know. Like you're in the interview and someone's just waxing lyrical about how you're going to run their fundraising process in your first two weeks and you've never, you haven't graduated college yet. You should probably <laughs> smell a rat. Just saying. Yes. I, I, no lies detected. That sounds good. Okay. Speaking of time management, Nick, what else do we have to answer today? What else can we pontificate on before we run out of time? Let's do it. So this is a question we got from a founder. They said the following, our product development is a lot slower than I would like. How do I know if the engineering team is working as hard as possible or just taking it easy? Sean? <laughs> I, well, I've run many, many large engineering teams in my time. So my first observation is no one's ever happy with their pace of product development. That's not a bad thing. It just means you probably have high standards and want to move faster, which is fine. Um, If you aren't sure if the team is working as hard as possible, though, it probably is an issue. It might not be a huge issue, but it probably does have some degrees of an issue. So usually if you're suspecting that they're not working as hard as possible, or if they're not working on the right things as hard as needs to be, there might be an alignment issue. So, for example, what I look for is that an engineering team that's well run, the velocity of their development should always be increasing, not by like huge amounts, but from sprint to sprint or whatever you use for your your unit of development, they should be getting better because they should have, A, built more infrastructure and development tools, B, they should be getting better at building your product, and there's more product to build on. And so, in theory, they should move faster if they're ever not moving faster or, oh my God, if they're ever slowing down, that's a very bad sign. You have to to do something. It doesn't mean that you need to push them though. Cause if you're constantly pushing them to, Hey, work harder, get more done. That's not a long-term leadership strategy. You need the team to yelling feel the doesn't work. And motivate themselves. I mean, at me, cause you yell at me all the time. So clearly it works, but in the general sense, I don't think so. Um, which might mean you have the wrong team. There are people who just don't like working hard and that happens. There's also people who are used to having someone else push them and they, they work exactly as hard as they are pushed. Those are not the people you want at your startup company. You want people on your team who want to do better, who want to move faster, who are self-motivated. And hopefully if you have those people, maybe it's a tweak. Maybe it's making sure people are focused, whatever it is, but you need to figure it out. Ash, what do you think? You've run engineering teams before. Yeah, I think the same in the sense of feeling like change is always slow, that the pace could always be faster. That is a feeling that is pretty much universal. But I think I disagree maybe with um, whether or not the pace of change should always be increasing. I don't know if that's realistic with tech debt and crises and those kinds of things, staffing changes, leadership changes. So I would say the best way of speeding things up is actually cutting down the scope of work. 
do the hard work of removing features, reducing use cases, being more narrow, then you're going to move faster. And if you sense a deeper problem after doing those kinds of cuts, then I would move to setting clear goals on short timelines. So it's very easy to hold people accountable. Oftentimes, they will agree to something fairly ambitious, even on a short timeline. So it'll be very clear that they're unable to hit the goals that they're setting themselves if they are, in fact, just chilling out versus uh, pulling their weight. But I would say this is on an individual basis, as you can probably tell, versus the engineering team as a whole. So if, if someone is not pulling their weight, get rid of them. Uh, but otherwise, I, I oftentimes would say it's unlikely that the whole team is underperforming. Well, let's say, actually, this is an interesting follow-up question. Let's say that you did identify there's a problem where the team is just not pushing themselves. They're kind of taking it easy. What is, what is the remedy, Nick and Ash? What would you do? Well, I would be looking to fire the leadership of that team, uh, maybe retain the most talented uh, but oftentimes, at least from the pattern matching here, you know, 60 companies deep uh, on investing, when you have rot in your engineering team and you just don't think there's uh, an easy resolution to it, it any, any short-term changes or slower approaches that are maybe a six-month reorientation, those never work out. You should probably just fire everybody and start over which is incredibly tough and no no one's likely to want to do that but uh starting over is is probably going to work out better in most cases. Yeah, that's not a fun type of decision to have to make. It is absolutely one that a team could encounter. The thing I'll say is often there's two flavors of trying to define an objective way to move this thing forward in a right way. The issue could be poorly defined requirements, thus the solution is define much more tight requirements, and as Ash mentioned, reduce scope massively, and then measure, are we marching forward in a better way? Second thing, of course, is urgency. Is there a way to elicit demand, demonstrate demand, and use that to be able to drive this next milestone for the product? If you can introduce credible urgency, and you see that it's driving people forward in a great way, fantastic. That's an awesome way to measure, are we getting this thing done? And the urgency needs to be real. So there's some customer demand to be fulfilled. If neither of those two moves the needle, then it's time to make some changes. Yeah, and I can't tell how many teams, I've had this discussion with CEOs where they're like, oh, I need to make changes, but I need to wait for them to deliver this next set of features in a month or two months. And after they do this that, then I'll make some changes. Peeve. It's like, oh my God, it is not going to be better if you wait. Like, in fact, what's more likely is that you think it's going to take two months and it takes three and a half to four months. And now you've waited 100%. far too long to do anything. Like, and they're if, messing up the relationship with the customer for you, right? Totally. This person's already underperforming. So why would we continue trusting them with our customers or revenue? We need mm -hmm. to get rid of them. I think the yep. other thing that people forget is how much damage you're doing to them. Usually you start realizing this with, within three months, within six months. If you let mm -hmm. someone go in that time period, you're giving them a chance to avoid having to mention you on their resume. Mm. You do it after that period, you do it after years. I mean, there's no chance of them hiding that. They're going to have to explain why you fired them. <laughs> That's right. And there's another failure case too, which is if your engineering team is spending is slower or less productive, be not because they're not working hard, but because they're spending a lot of time 
on infrastructure. Like they decided, hey, we have to re-implement our, our interface with the latest JavaScript front end mm-hmm. framework. That is, they may be working hard, they may be putting a lot of time in, but their time is very misspent. So if anybody ever comes to you and tells you the only solution is to rewrite all this stuff, you should absolutely fire them immediately because that is never the right decision and it never works out well. In my entire experience over 20 years, there's a few things I can say for certain, but trying to rewrite your product is always a mistake. Full stop. Ah, good times. Well, we've used up all our time here. Look at that time management. Fantastic. As always, Ash and Nick, thank you for your wise words of wisdom about time and the meaning of life. Yeah, great time. This was such a good use of my time, guys. Absolutely. The requirements were defined nicely and we drove some good urgency here. I'm going to choose to believe that Ash is being serious. I love that Nick is just a genuinely good person no matter what. I just really, really appreciate that. Oh, that's good. Oh, well, if you have a question you'd like us to handle in a future episode of the Startup Help Desk, find us. Our website is thestartuphelpdesk.com or find us on x slash Twitter as thestartuphd. But for now, the Startup Help Desk is closed. Good luck in building your business. <laughs>